Hi there. Welcome to the 12th episode of Stories That Made Us. This week, we discuss the creation myths of the Cherokee, the Caddo, and the Cheyenne. They're all Native American tribes of the United States. The Cherokee have traditionally lived in modern-day North and South Carolina, Tennessee, Alabama, and Georgia. Their dialect is a part of the Iroquois language group. Their society was predominantly agrarian, and they lived in permanent settlements, unlike many nomadic and semi-nomadic tribes. Today, they are one of the largest federally recognized Native American tribes in the USA. This is their tale of our origin. The world was nothing but water for a very long time. Back then, all animals lived in the vault above the sky. This vault was called Galunlati. In time, Galunlati became so crowded that it was hard for any to move. Life here is unbearable, for we are squeezed into such cramped spaces," said the animals. There would be no place to move if this crowd goes unchecked," they remarked. Desperate for more space, they decided to explore the world below to find new land. No one, however, wished to venture out of the vault. After much deliberation, the Dayunisi, or beaver's grandchild, the little water beetle, agreed to be the first to leave the vault in search of a new world. It came out of Galunlati and flew in every direction. It flew over the surface of the water, but could not find land. Water beetle was about to give up, but decided to look one last time. This time, instead of flying over the surface of the water, it decided to dive under. It plunged to the bottom, where it finally found some soft mud. Slowly but surely, the beetle carried this mud up to the surface of the water. Today, we've lost count of the number of times the water beetle dived, but it had to be many, for it was beetle's hard work that made the first island which eventually became the big continent that we call our home. Now the earth is fastened to the sky with four rawhide cords that hang from the four directions. This newfound land was tied to these cords as well. But this was a long time ago. Nobody remembers who tied this land today. Some say it is the great spirit who fastened the earth to the rock sky. They argue that he did so by tying the cords to the four sacred mountains in the four directions. But no one remembers for sure. So this is how land appeared in our world. But it was muddy and slushy, so much so that you would slowly sink if you were to stand upon it. The animals again convened in Galunlati and deliberated upon this new problem. They sent many birds to reconnoiter the land, but all came back with the same report. The earth was too soft 
and too muddy to survive. We have found land, they said, but nothing stays on it. We have to make this land firm. The discussions went on for a long time, but no solution was found. It was then that the buzzard stepped forward and said, Let me go down and check this earth out. Let me flap my wings and see if that dries some of this muddy land. Many were skeptical of the buzzard's plan, but lacking any solutions themselves, they agreed to let the buzzard go. Now this was no ordinary buzzard. It was the father of all buzzards that we see flying in the sky today. It searched all over the land and chose the spot that seemed the driest of all. There, it began flapping its wings rapidly. After a long time, dry spots indeed emerged upon the land. These spots eventually became the dry land that we know as the Cherokee country today. We find our landscape covered with many mountains and valleys. All of this appeared when the great buzzard's wings hit our homeland. Now when the animals saw the mountains, they were afraid that the buzzard would turn all land mountainous. So they called the great bird back. Now you know why the Cherokee country is so very mountainous. By the time the great buzzard stopped flapping its wings and returned home, the earth was dry enough for the rest of the animals to descend. Some spots, however, were still muddy. These are the marshlands that we sometimes come across today. All animals were anxious to leave Galunlati and descend upon earth. They checked the new world and on finding the country to be dry and hard, they descended from the sky vault. The world, however, was dark. This bothered all the creatures and they agreed that Sister Sun should accompany them to the world below. They pulled her down from behind the rainbow and under the sky vault. The creatures beseeched her to stay and light the world. They set a path for her, which went from east to west each day. Sister Sun, however, was too close to the land. She scorched our world every day. The red crawfish was so scorched by the sun that his shell turned bright red and his meat was spoiled. The Cherokee do not eat the red crawfish since then. The exasperated animals asked the Great Spirit to put Sister Sun higher by the breath of a hand. While this did bring some relief, the sun was still too close. They beseeched the spirit to raise it again by another hand, and then another, until it was seven handbreadths high. Sister Sun was finally placed just under the sky arch and above the clouds. This felt like the right place for the sun, for she was neither too high nor too low. All could enjoy her heat and light without worrying about being burned. This is where they left the sun, 
and this is why the shamans and the conjurers call the highest place the seven hive because it is seven handbreadths above the earth the spirit created an arch in the sky one that ran from east to west this is the path that sister sun takes each day she returns east at night when we sleep and starts her journey again it is also said that the great spirit made all plants to leave with the animals and come to earth when all first landed in the world the spirit commanded all plants and animals to stay awake and keep watch for the first 7 days only the owl however managed to stay awake the spirit was pleased that the owl followed its instructions and gave the bird the power of night vision among the plants the pine the holly the laurel and only a handful others managed to stay awake the great spirit's reward was to let them keep their leaves through all the winter the other plants of course shed each year come november finally the spirit turned his attention to man and woman he made the first of our ancestors and let them roam freely in the world the man it is said struck the woman with a fish this made her pregnant and she gave birth to a child every 7 days the great spirit did not agree to this for the world could not handle so many of us he thus regulated things so she could only give birth once a year finally remember that there is another world under our own it is a world much like ours there are animals plants and people in this underworld the seasons however are different the streams that we see coming down from the mountains are the trails by which we can reach this underworld the springs are the doorways to this realm one may enter the netherworld through a spring but to do this one must go to the spring and then fast and pray that one of the underworld people may come and be a guide now we know that the seasons differ in the underworld because the water of the springs is always warm in the winter and cool in the summer that concludes the creation myth of the cherokee the next tale is of the cado they inhabited east texas louisiana arkansas and oklahoma their creation story suggests that the tribe emerged from a cave that was located somewhere in louisiana their story is a two-part tale the first part deals with emergence and settlement of the people the second tale is a flood myth which speaks of how the great spirit eradicated evil and let the good prosper a long time ago men and animals lived in peace and harmony in the underworld this was the only world they knew and they were content all remained in this world below for hundreds of years until one day a man named niche the moon discovered light coming from the end of what looked 
like a hole above. He ran back to the humans and animals and proclaimed to have found the cave that led up to the surface of the earth. All were excited, for the great spirit had foretold long ago that they would find beauty and prosperity in the land above. Animals and humans had waited for generations for this prophecy to be fulfilled. They thus began preparing for their journey to the new world. The people divided into bands, each with their leader and a drum. Nish, being the one to have found the cave opening, was requested to oversee the migration. He told the people to sing and beat their drums as they moved along. He warned all to never look back the way they had come for a great calamity shall befall them. All heeded his warning and prepared for the inevitable day of the Exodus. On the appointed day, all reached the opening, beating the drums and singing songs. The first to climb out was an old man. He ascended carrying fire and a pipe in one hand and a drum in the other. After him ascended his wife, who brought corn and pumpkin seeds. This is why we perform ceremonial dances around fire and play the flute and the drums in all our rituals. This is why corn and pumpkin are our staples. They, after all, were carried out of the underworld by the first man and woman to enter this world above. Then came the rest of the people and animals. Unfortunately, when the wolf climbed out of the cave, he turned around and looked back. Immediately, the earth rumbled and rocks fell at the entrance of the cave, barring the rest of the people and animals from coming above ground. Those who had escaped the underworld sat down and cried for their friends and families who were left behind. All lamented the fate of those left in the darkness of the world below. Now, because the ancestors came from the underworld, the Kado people call this realm the Middle World, or sometimes Mother. This is where we return to when we die. In the years and decades that followed, those above the surface multiplied and prospered. People organized themselves around leaders of different bands and spread out to new lands. Now, many eons passed since those days. Our tale resumes with the story of a chief and his wife. They had to the terror and trepidation of all tribespeople, given birth to four little monsters. Amid the confusion caused by this unholy birth, the chief commanded all elders to convene and decide what to do with the babies. All present besieged the chief to murder the monstrous infants. These trained children will bring great misfortune to our tribe, they said. It would be better to kill them right now, for the sake of all. They convinced the chief, but failed to persuade his wife. 
After all, no mother's heart would allow such an egregious act. These children are just babies. They cannot harm anyone. We will teach them manners and kindness. They will eventually turn out all right, said the chief's wife with compunction and determination. All hoped that chief's wife was right and that the babies would turn out fine. But unfortunately, that was not to be. The four small monsters grew fast, much faster than ordinary children. They had four legs and four arms each. They were bullies and hurt other children in the tribe. They broke teepees and tore buffalo skin robes. They befouled people's food and ran away with their livestock. The tribesmen had heard of an elder who was renowned as a shaman and a wise man, one who was a seer and an oracle. They beseeched the chief to go visit this elder and ask for advice. Kill these strange and terrible beings, said the elder when asked. Kill them before they kill you. They will be the cause of your doom and destruction. This I see, he said. The wife, however, was adamant that her monstrous children would turn out well. They'll be fine young men someday. They are just naughty children is all, she argued. All children are naughty. It does not mean we condemn them to their deaths. She convinced the chief, her husband, to keep the children. But alas, they never became the fine young men their mother wanted them to be. The four monsters, when they grew up, began killing and eating the tribe's people. They tortured and tormented men and women. The villagers rebelled against their chief, blaming him for their misfortune. They rallied and tried to do away with the monsters. But the four had become too powerful to be killed. They grew taller and taller, almost touching the sky. One day, the four went to the center of their camp and stood back to back, one facing each direction. Terrifyingly, their backs joined together and the four became one. As they grew taller and taller, mortified people took refuge near the monster's feet. After all, the huge creature could not bend down to catch them. But those who strayed farther were caught and seized by the monster's mile-long arms. They were killed and eaten. The four beasts, now joined as one, rose to the clouds. Combined, they were so tall that their heads touched the sky. Now the elder, the same who had prophesied doom before, heard a voice that instructed him to plant a hollow reed in the ground. The man did as the vision advised. In no time, the reed rose to touch the sky. The elder then heard the voice again. When signs of evil and disaster come, you and your wife are to seek shelter inside this hollow cane. Be as naked as you were born 
and take with you a pair of all the good animals that need saving. Upon hearing this, the elder asked, What sign will you be sending, dear spirit? How do I know the arrival of this impending doom? To this, the voice replied, When all the birds in the world, birds of the woods, the seas, the deserts and the high mountains are seen flying in the sky from north to south, that will be your sign. Watch carefully and when the time comes, do as instructed. Check for the flock of birds from the north. One day, the elder looked up and saw a big flock of birds travelling as was foretold. At once, he and his wife asked all the animals to climb up the hollow reed. Once the animals were inside, the two undressed and followed them. They kept climbing the plant, reaching up toward the sky. Meanwhile, the Great Spirit sent rain to cover the earth. While the animals and the two humans were protected inside the reed, the world was swept by a devastating deluge. Water flooded the world until only the top of the hollow reed and the four heads of the monsters were all that could be seen above the surface. Now the elder and his wife heard the voice again. It instructed them to wait as the Great Spirit sought to destroy the humongous monster. Meanwhile, the monster's foreheads were talking to each other. Brothers, I'm getting tired. Wading through this water has been extremely difficult. Moreover, ever since we've had these floods, our food has been washed away. We are hungry and extremely tired, they said. Water swirled around the monster with currents so strong that the fiend was almost swept away. The Great Spirit sent forth a turtle that began digging near the feet of the monster. It dug a gaping hole. The monster could not keep its footing as it stepped on this hole and it broke apart and toppled over. The four brothers fell asunder and drowned in the water, each sinking facing one of the four directions. After the monsters had drowned, the great flood subsided. First appeared the mountaintops and then emerged the rest of the land. Then came winds that blew the earth dry. The elder heard the voice again. You may climb down now. Take the animals with you. The elder, upon reaching the bottom of the reed, cut open a hole at its foot. He looked out and saw land. He then put his hand out to feel for rain. Thankfully, there wasn't any. He asked his wife and animals to come out. Everything is dry, he exclaimed joyously. And so the two emerged, followed by all the animals. They left the reed, which collapsed on the ground and disappeared. But when the elders and the animals stepped into this new land, it was bare. This greatly distressed the wife, who said, 
husband, nothing grows on the earth. Moreover, we're all naked. How shall we grow food and make clothes? How shall we live? The elder calmly asked his wife to go to sleep and worry another day. They lay down and slept. And when they woke up the next morning, all kinds of herbs had miraculously sprung around them. They used these to cook. When they slept the second night, trees and bushes covered the land. Now they had firewood to keep them warm. During the third night, grass appeared and animals were happy to graze on it. By and by, life was restored after this great flood. The last story of the episode is the creation myth of the Cheyenne. The Cheyenne have traditionally lived in Minnesota and are a part of the larger Algonquin language group. Their creation myth is fascinating, for it differs radically from those of other Algonquin tribes, as recounted in episode 6 of the series. The Cheyenne story developed after coming into contact with the white European settlers. In fact, it may be argued that their creation myth is a tale of how their tribe re-established itself after facing great perils, which, in the story's case, is flood. Maheo, the great medicine spirit, created the earth. He created water on our world, and the sky, the sun, the moon, and the stars up above. He made a beautiful country. In the beginning, there were no winters, nor was there any ice, snow, or bitter cold. It was always spring. Wild fruits and berries grew everywhere, and the world was full of green grass and verdant trees, trees that shaded the streams of clear water that flowed through the land. In this paradise, Maheo made animals, birds, insects, and fish of all kinds. Finally, after all his creatures prospered in this wondrous and beautiful world, Maheo created humans. Back then, all animals and humans spoke a common language and understood one another. All lived in peace and great friendship. Everyone was naked and ate and lived on the wild fruits of nature and honey. No one was ever hungry. They wandered in this wondrous world, spending the day loitering and in pursuit of happiness. And at night, they all lay down on the cool grass and slept. Now Maheo had created all kinds of human beings. The first were those who had hair all over their bodies. The second was the white man, who only had hair on their heads, faces and legs. Finally, Maheo also created Native American men. These men had long hair on their heads only. The ones that Maheo created first the very hairy people were particularly strong and active throughout the day. 
The white people with long beards were in cahoots with the wolf, for they, like the animal, were the trickiest and the most cunning creatures in this beautiful world. The Native American people were good runners, agile and swift. The spirit Maheo taught the Native American peoples to catch and eat fish at a time when none of the other people knew about hunting, fishing or eating meat in general. Now after a while, the hairy people left this paradise and went south. Here, all the land was barren. The Native Americans also prepared to follow the hairy people to the barren lands upon instructions from Maheo. But before they left the beautiful northern land, Maheo commanded them to assemble. This was the first time that all Native Americans had convened in one place. Maheo blessed and gave them some medicine spirit to awaken their dormant minds. This is how the ancestors became wise and intelligent. Then Maheo called on one of the men and taught him to make clothes, hunt and gather food. Maheo then taught this man how to make bows, arrows and spears. He showed the man how to build shelters and shape rent and other stones into any objects as desired. This is how the Native Americans learned to make weapons, pots and axes. The Native Americans then chose to stay together as they journeyed south. The man who was taught means of livelihood by Maheo became the first chief. All left the beautiful country and went south, quite like the hairy people had done before. The hairy people remained naked, but the Native Americans were clothed because Maheo had taught them how to do so. Now when the ancestors arrived in the south, they realized that the hairy people had already scattered everywhere and had built homes in hills and caves that were high up in the mountains. These men had sought refuge in deep forests and mountain caves. They chose to live a reclusive life, so much so that Native Americans never saw these men again. Some say that they were afraid of our ancestors and ran inside their caves when they came. These people had pottery and used rent tools much like our forefathers. They slept on beds of leaves and skin. Now for some reason, they decreased in numbers until they disappeared entirely. No one knows today what happened to the hairy people of the past. Now after the forefathers lived in the south for a while, Maheo came to the chief and told him to return to the north, for the southern land was to be flooded. When our ancestors went back to the beautiful northern lands, they found that the white-skinned people were all gone. Moreover, they were no longer able to talk to the animals, but they could enforce their ways upon the beasts. They taught some of the animals, especially the panther and the bear, to hunt. The Native Americans increased in numbers and became tall, strong 
and were very active. All was well until one day Mahayo instructed our ancestors again to leave the north and journey south. By now, the south had endured the floods and the water was gone. Grasses and trees had grown back and the country had become as beautiful as the north. The Native Americans flourished in this land. However, there came another deluge that swept across the southern lands. The forefathers were forced to scatter, seeking refuge in far-flung areas. Again, the water dried eventually and the ground became dry. But unfortunately, the people, our ancestors, did not come back together again. They were accustomed to living in small bands and thus preferred to remain as separate tribes. Just as how it was before Mahayo commanded them to come together a long time ago. The flood had destroyed almost everything and all were on the verge of starvation. Hoping to find succor, they journeyed back to the north in search of the beautiful and bountiful land that they had left behind. Unfortunately, when the ancestors reached the north country, they found the land to be barren. There were no trees or animals. The streams had no fish and there were no birds in the sky. People cried in grief as they reminisced their once beautiful home, for all remembered the beauty this land once held. And so, finding nothing in the north, the Native Americans returned to the south. Here, they lived as well as they could. They were better off in some years, but worse in others. Gone were the days when the world was forever in spring and when all land was beautiful. There were now four seasons and food was scarce, thus forcing the ancestors to hunt. Life continued as such for hundreds of years. Once, just before the winter season, the earth suddenly shook. The hills and mountains erupted, sending forth fire and smoke. The world was covered in ashes and heat. During this winter, there were great floods and the sky was red for months. People had to dress in furs and live in caves, for the winter was long and cold. It destroyed all trees and grass. Leaves fell from the once beautiful trees and the grass turned yellow. All vegetation died and people found refuge in dark caves and lived by hunting furry animals. The Native American tribes had suffered much and were on the brink of annihilation. The great spirit Mahale took pity on them and gave the ancestors corn to plant and buffalo for meat. He also decreed that there would be no floods and no more famines since then. When spring arrived after this terrible winter, there was new growth. The world turned back to being beautiful and food was in plenty again. People planted the crops and hunted for game. 
there never was a shortage of food, clothes or shelter again. Our ancestors continued to live in the South, where they all prospered. They were organized into many different tribes, and in time, all spoke different languages. This made it impossible for the Native Americans to unite ever again. Now the Cheyenne had men and women who were magicians and possessed supernatural wisdom. They charmed not only other tribesmen, but also animals and birds. No matter how fierce the animals were, they would be captivated by our ancestors' wisdom and magic. This knowledge of magic has been handed down from the original Cheyenne, the first of our people who came from the far north. Today, only the chief understands these ancient ceremonies. The Cheyenne consider the chief to be of equal rank to the first ancestors who journeyed south and came upon the lands we call home today. So then, this concludes the episode. I hope you liked the tales and if you did, please subscribe. I'd appreciate a feedback and a rating. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram by following the handle at stories THT MDE US. That's at stories THT MDE US for details on next episodes and snippets of folklore from around the world. You may also choose to email us at info.storiesthatmadeus at gmail.com. That's all until next week. Stay safe and goodbye.